Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Tom Daly. I'm super excited to be sharing my podcast, Made With Love. It's easy to focus in so much that you lose some of the enjoyment from things. And that's one of the things I learned over the years of Formula One is why I'm doing it. Discovering a love of knitting actually helped me be my best on the board and get my hands on an Olympic gold medal. And I'm on a mission to find out how others have made what they love a central part of their lives too. We shouldn't be looking blindly for hope, but rather try to create that hope ourselves. Follow and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of the new episodes dropping very soon. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hey book lovers, my name is M, and I want to talk about books. And cats. book lovers, welcome back. First, I want to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I crossed a thousand downloads the other day, and I am so very grateful. I cannot believe it. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, let's talk about books because I've got two this week. So the first book I want to talk about is The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson. Oof, this one got me. I know I'm a little behind. Um, I've seen people raving about this book for a while, and I've had it. I got it from Book of the Month quite a while ago, and I just hadn't gotten around to it. I finally did, and it was amazing. There are a lot of themes in this story, but the most prevailing theme is family. The dreams and realities of families and what our loved ones will do for what they think is our benefit. This book kind of punched me in the stomach. Um, Parenting can be really painful. It is full of doubt. And these are some big themes in the book as well. I've been thinking a lot about the pain of parenting lately. My oldest is gone to camp for a week. And it is the first time that I have been away from them for this long. And while I am so thrilled for them, because I know that they need these experiences to help them grow I miss my babies so much, and they're still my baby, even though they're 15 now. Parenting is just constantly preparing your kids to leave you and be able to live without you, which is kind of a bummer. But I also hope they're having the best time. Anyway, let's talk about this book. So this book is told from two different perspectives. The first that we meet is Ruth. She is a successful engineer and married to a handsome, successful man. And they're feeling buoyed by the recent election of Barack Obama. I really loved the blurb on the jacket of this book. And I just want to read the end of it because it kind of sums up the larger issues that are addressed in the book. The Kindest Lie examines the heartbreaking divide between black and white communities and plums the emotional depths of the struggles faced by ordinary Americans 
in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. Capturing the profound racial injustices and class inequalities roiling society, Nancy Johnson's debut novel offers an unflinching view of motherhood in contemporary America and the never-ending quest to achieve the American dream. So that sums it up pretty well. Those are the larger themes. The book begins with a revelation. While Xavier, Ruth's husband, is pushing for a baby, Ruth has a secret. She has already had one back when she was 17. Her grandmother, who has cared for her in place of her mother, kept her out of sight and covered it all up so Ruth could continue on to their dreams of Yale and the life beyond. And it worked. But now her husband is severely hurt and feeling betrayed. Ruth decides she needs to visit her family for the holidays, something she hasn't done the entire time she's been with Xavier. She doesn't want him to see the place she grew up. Coming back home can be jarring. Things are the same, but also incredibly different. The factory that employed most of the town, including Ruth's brother, has laid off most of the workforce, and things are even worse than she remembers. Her homecoming brings a lot of questions to the surface, and lies that had laid dormant for a very long time. Her grandmother and brother did what they could to help her maintain her reputation and her future at Yale, but Ruth was kept entirely in the dark. Now she wants answers that no one wants to give. The second narrator is an 11-year-old white boy called Midnight. He has a lame arm because he defended his best friend, a black boy, from older kids, and they set him on fire. His arm didn't recover, and he's always felt separate from his friends because they continued on to play baseball and he couldn't do it anymore. So he's always been a little bit on the outside, a little bit cut off. Midnight's grandmother is friends with Ruth's grandma, and the families have a lot of history behind them. Some good and some bad. Ruth befriends Midnight. She is yearning for her real son, and Midnight is starved for love and attention. They're an odd pair, but they immediately get along. The final piece of this puzzle is the racism that is still alive and well. Despite the newly elected black president, the black citizens still have to be very, very careful. I don't want to go much further into the plot. This story is about relationships of all kinds, and the balance of good and bad, love and hate, the yin and yang of life. This one was moving, and my emotions were all over the place while I was reading it. It's so beautiful. Definitely check out The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson, if you haven't already. I know I'm late on this one. If you have already read it, please send me a DM and tell me what you thought. And now we're going to take a quick break. Hey, book lovers. Back again to talk about learning German. Now, if you've listened before, you know I have an awesome old kitty named Zeus. He is pure love and the sweetest thing ever. So I was delighted when I learned the German word for sweet is Zeus. Not spelled the same, but still. Zeus is Zeus. I love it. I'm also using my new language skills to read books from Prismatext. They work German words and phrases right into classic novels. And they help me learn even more. The books come in English as a first language, with words and phrases in many different languages, including Spanish, French, German, Italian, and Portuguese. 
Enjoy a good book while learning a new language with Prismatext. You can check them out using the link in the show description. And if you use code BOOKSANDCATS, you get 30% off. That's books, the letter N, cats. Get reading and keep learning with Prismatext. Welcome back, book lovers. So I've got a second book to talk about today. It's nonfiction, but it is a memoir. I just love hearing people's stories. And this is the new book from Dean Carnezes, the author of The Ultra Marathon Man. I have actually not read any of his books before, but I have seen him referenced in almost every book or video by any distance runner. (laughs) So I was very familiar with his name. I listened to this book on Audible and it made me laugh, mostly because I completely vibe with this mentality. It's been so long since I ran distance, but it has always been the thing that I enjoy most. It made me realize that it's ingrained in me. A good running memoir tends to be the perfect thing to motivate me to get back into running. I'm absolutely fascinated by ultramarathons in general, and especially one called Western States. It's one of the big ones. In this book, A Runner's High, he is on his 10th Western States, and he is also dealing with running this incredibly difficult 100-mile race while ruminating on the races of the past and how things change as your body ages. It is such a great book. Sometimes he uses a few more descriptors than I personally would like, but honestly, it just helps paint the picture and you just really feel like you're at the race with him. If you are any kind of runner, and especially if you're a long-distance runner, you need to check out this book. It is fantastic. Dean Carnez's A Runner's High. Highly recommend. (laughs) So, I don't have too much for cat stuff this week. My cats have been pretty low-key. My super sweet kitty, Zeus, has been really sad this week. My oldest, Zephyr, is away at camp, like I said, and we've never been without them for this long and Zeus is definitely bummed. He is completely Zeph's cat. Those two, I swear they share a soul, and he's missing his kid. I think it's funny the things that we will do for our pets. I spent uh, the 4th of July soundproofing my bedroom for all of our animals. They slept in my room that night where the fireworks were a little bit quieter. I enjoy fireworks, but I really do feel bad for animals. They get so scared. But I found it kind of funny as I'm trying to hang blankets over my windows. Um, The things I'm willing to do for my pets. (laughs) And now it's time for the quote of the week. Again, I picked more than just one. I just love quotes. And these are kind of random, but they all come from books. The first one is from The Velveteen Rabbit by Marjorie Williams. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all, because once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. I've always loved the Velveteen Rabbit, and that quote is so beautiful. The next one is from Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights, one of my favorites. Whatever our souls are made of, his and mine are the same. And I picked this one because Andy and I just celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary. We have been together for over 20 years. And uh, yeah, whatever our souls are made of, 
Andy and I have the same. For sure. We're less crazy than the Wuthering Heights characters, though. Hopefully. <laughs> and finally, from another one of my favorites, Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. I am not afraid of storms, for I am learning how to sail my ship. I just, I love that quote, and I think there's a lot to it. It's all about learning how to face the storms, face our fears. Anyway, that is it for this episode of M's Books and Cats podcast. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends. You can also check out booksandcatspod.com for all things books and cats. And stick around after the music for a new chapter of my weekly writing project, Heart of the Storm. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep reading. Hey, book lovers, thanks for sticking around. And now here's chapter 25 of Heart of the Storm. Manx paced his laboratory. His skin was clammy with sweat and panic made his heart race. The thumping from behind the steel door made everything so much worse. He had made a choice. In a moment of rage and bravado, he had plunged a syringe into Thea's neck and now had her trapped in the back with his newest creation. His heart sank to think of her. She had been his finest work yet, but even in a weakened state, Thea made quick work of her. It was the first thing she did upon waking. Thea didn't give warnings. She sent a message. At least she'd done it quickly. Manx was sure Thea regretted that. His wife had always been cruel, but her time amongst the harpies in the Shadow Realm had made her even more rage-filled and bloodthirsty. He had made a terrible mistake. True, he had caught her sneaking around the lab. She didn't trust him. She never had. Their marriage was one of convenience. She needed him. Well, she needed his army, and Manx had been smart enough to make himself indispensable. Even so, he doubted she would forgive him for this one. He rarely opposed her directly. Behind her back was another thing entirely. A strangled sound came from deep inside his throat. He rarely lost control, but when he thought about what Thea had done to her sister, it burst forth unexpectedly. Mina had been the one who actually understood him and viewed him as an equal. He knew he wasn't. His magic was mostly based in science and intellect. His charm had been his greatest asset. He could coerce those with stronger magic to help him in his endeavors. He wished he'd met Mina first. By the time he met the youngest of the group, he was already deeply indebted to Thea, and Mina was wrapped up in her own schemes. She had come to the lab a few weeks later, and she laid it all out for him. They hadn't chosen at that point. It could have all ended right there. Mina had been shocked when he suggested Thea as the sacrifice. The others had considered it. Thea was a formidable presence, even as a sister. They had expected him to fight it. Manx was no fool. His new wife had no love for him. She needed him and their union to strengthen her magic. There was no way out of it. Until now. Mina was handing him a golden opportunity, and he laid on the charm. 
By the time she left the lab, she was enamored with Manx and convinced that Thea was the perfect choice. He hadn't loved her immediately. Over time, he grew to appreciate her love for him, but that came long after the ritual and the demise of his dear wife. Thea had known something was coming. Her suspicious nature kept her safe in many situations, but she mistakenly confessed her concerns to him. He had convinced her she was wrong. Or so he had thought. Thea had never trusted him fully, and she had placed protection charms and spells all around her. Manx had dismantled most of them, but not all. The ritual had not gone completely right. Thea fought until the end, and the charms gave her more strength than expected. In the end, they could not destroy her. Not completely. They could only banish her from the valley, with only one impossible way to bring her back. Manx laughed a little to himself and smoothed back his shock of hair. Impossible. Except now it had happened. That stupid boy of Kiki's had really messed up everything. He regretted bringing the child to her now. Initially, he was trying to replace the little girl he had mistakenly destroyed. He had meant to end the child's life. At the time, he believed she would be the one to bring Thea back. Manx shook his head. There was no messing with the universe. Kiki's girl was just part of the plan. The briefest moment of life. A blink in time. Yet she had set off everything he'd been trying to prevent. A loud crash brought him back into the room. The steel door was dented, and as he stared in disbelief, something slammed into the steel again, and a foot appeared through a crack in the impenetrable metal. A wild scream followed, and the foot was wrenched back inside. Manx held his breath for what felt like an impossibly long time. Then Thea's face appeared in the hole, and he fainted. Keva woke as the first cold drops of rain splashed down. He'd been napping amongst the treetops on a hammock. Lazalt hovered overhead. He was speaking with another tree-dweller and gesturing wildly. He flew down a moment later. His face was grim, and he wordlessly lifted Kevo from the hammock and swooped down to the ground, placing him gently on his feet. He landed and slumped down at the base of a normal tree. Not every tree in the forest was a glowing beacon of destruction. The largest of the trees were ancient monstrosities that had weathered countless centuries. Throughout the forest, the old ones stood, unmoved by time or magic. The mutant trees, which was how Kevo now thought of them, would not grow near the big old trees. Lazalt knew the location of every one, and they slept at the base of them every night. So far, they'd been walking for three days. Lazalt couldn't fly far while carrying Kevo, so he walked along beside his newfound brother. As they walked, he told Kevo everything he knew. Kevo wasn't surprised to know that a curse lay over the valley. He felt the heaviness of the air. He'd mentioned it to Harper once, but she had no idea what he was talking about. He worked hard on his strength, but the air grew heavier every year. Kevo felt like he was walking through water these days. The curse was surprising in its severity. Thea had cast her vengeance far and wide, and no one was spared. She must have been massively paranoid when she laid this spell, Lazalt said softly. There was a hint of compassion beneath the scorn. Kevo nodded. It took some effort. With good reason, he replied. Thea had been thorough. The casual magic workers of the valley lost potency in their powers. Only the simplest of spells would work for them now 
and some lost their powers entirely. The tree-dwellers had been inundated with the strange glowing trees. They sprang up from the ground unexpectedly, and many perished in horrible ways. Even more perished from the contact with the trees. Harper was the first to survive. The river-dwellers had been wiped out of existence. Keva was surprised to hear of them. He had heard a few vague stories that referenced strange creatures, a mix of fish and people, who worked magic under the constant flow of the river. They had been guardians of the bridges and kept the valley safe. Apparently the outside world had once been a threat. Now they didn't even see the valley. No one questioned what lay on the opposite banks of the rivers. The outside world had always seemed dull and rather boring to Kevo. They kept people in the valley, Lizalt corrected. Thea held power over them for centuries. No one has left the valley in generations. When the curse wiped out the river dwellers, she had her harpies ready to jump in and step up security. Lizalt stopped walking. Kevo noticed a change in the air and looked up. He'd been focused on his feet and on absorbing everything Lizalt was saying. Now he saw that they had reached the edge of the forest, but it was a place he had never seen before. His stomach lurched nervously, but Lizalt smiled. You're safe with me, brother, Lizalt said, but don't ever come here alone. With a soft word, he parted the mist surrounding the forest, and the boys jumped through to the clean, clear air beyond. Kevil was startled by the bright, defined colors. His sight had grown accustomed to the murky green light of the forest. They stood on the bank of the river. The water was dark and moved swiftly over the massive boulders. The rocks were gray and sparkled in the sunlight. That seemed brighter here, too. Kevo shaded his eyes and tried to take it all in. This is... This is... He began breathlessly. He didn't know how to finish anyway. This place was beyond words. Lizalt grinned. I knew you'd get it, man. Isn't it the best? He plopped down on a fallen tree trunk. Not a strange cursed tree. This one had lived a long, proud life before coming to rest on the riverbank. Kevo sat down gingerly. The wood was smoothed by water and weather and felt almost soft under his hands. There was a gentle humming coming from the log. A hint of the spirit still remained. Lizalt splayed his long, thin fingers wide and closed his eyes. He hummed softly, matching the song of the weather-beaten wood. His fingers glowed a deep amber, and the color moved up into his limbs until he was completely transformed. Magic glittered and swirled over the surface of his skin. He opened his eyes and grinned. Now I'm ready. Ready for what? Kevo asked, but he already knew the answer. For war, was Lazalt's casual reply. And that is the end of chapter 25, book lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Heart of the Storm, and I will be back next week with a new chapter. Until next time, keep reading. Hold up. 
Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Tom Daly. I'm super excited to be sharing my podcast, Made with Love. It's easy to focusing so much that you lose some of the enjoyment from things, and that's one of the things I learned over the years of Formula One is why I'm doing it. Discovering a love of knitting actually helped me be my best on the board and get my hands on an Olympic gold medal. And I'm on a mission to find out how others have made what they love a central part of their lives too. We shouldn't be looking blindly for hope, but rather try to create that hope ourselves. Follow and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of the new episodes dropping very soon. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>